Trapcast Express. Trapcast Express, it's Monday, August 30th, 2021. A week ago, on August 23rd, the semi-trad website The Remnant published an article by Robert Morrison entitled Making Sense of Francis, the Destroyer. The author begins by noting that the dogma proclaimed by Pope Boniface VIII in 1302 is a source of great consternation to Catholics today. What is that dogma? Well, let's quote it. In his bull Unam Sanctum, the Pope proclaimed, quote, We declare, we proclaim, we define that it is absolutely necessary for salvation that every human creature be subject to the Roman pontiff, unquote. Morrison says that in ordinary times, this truth presents no problem for Catholics. You know, in those periods of church history when the Pope is actually a Catholic and not an apostate. Yeah, well, apparently God, who is the ultimate author of all dogma, since dogma is divinely revealed, apparently God didn't take that into account when he instituted the papacy and gave to St. Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Anyway, Morrison says, quote, Simple people understand that we have a non-Catholic pope, and yet every human creature must be subject to the Roman pontiff if they wish to be saved. How can we possibly reconcile these realities short of rejecting Francis as the pope? We know that God, in his loving providence, permits this, but what does it mean to the church? Is Francis merely a bad pope or an anti-pope? In either case, how can we be subject to him as he leads the church away from Catholicism? Unquote. Now, these are legitimate questions. The problem is in how Morrison goes about finding answers. Because what would be the reasonable thing to do here? How would a Catholic who is genuinely interested in solving these issues proceed to find the answers? You would think that if there is a problem with Francis, and frankly with any of the apparent popes since the time of Vatican II roughly, that you would want to find your answers in the genuine Catholic literature from before Vatican II, right? From before the time the mess began. That would be reasonable, right? Because you'd want it to be objective and unbiased. You would want to know what the church teaches about the papacy, about bad popes, about what can and can't happen with the pope, how the faithful are to act, etc., Now, the way to get reliable information on that would be to consult theological manuals and periodicals written by priests to see if and how they address these questions. Yes, this may actually require a trip to a Novus Ordo seminary library. Not everything is available at your fingertips within 60 seconds on Google, you know. But... Considering how important the topic is, you may want to sacrifice a little bit of your time to get some sources together, especially if you're writing an article about the topic that will be published in print and on the internet. But what does Morrison do instead? He writes, quote, As Father Matthias Gaudron describes in The Catechism of the Crisis in the Church, 
Submission to the Pope obviously does not imply an unlimited obedience, unquote. So Morrison is consulting a book first published in its original edition in 1997, not exactly a pre-Vatican II source, okay? Besides, Father Matthias Gaudron is a priest with the Society of St. Pius X, the SSPX, in Germany. So from the outset, Morrison has already made up his mind about what the answer cannot be. The answer cannot be that Francis isn't the Pope. That's why he consults an SSPX source. Remember, the SSPX is anti-state of Aconis and believes that the correct answer is to say Francis is Pope, but act like he isn't. Okay, so I'm being a bit polemical here, but that's basically their position, right? Accept Francis as Pope, but resist him when you think he goes against the faith. So unfortunately, Morrison's research is already tainted. He's not looking to find an objective answer. He consults biased sources that frame the issue a certain way, such that the undesirable position of Sedevacantism is excluded from the outset. Now, Father Gaudron in turn quotes from Cardinal Cajetan's commentary on St. Thomas Aquinas' Summa Theologica, saying, and this is Cardinal Cajetan speaking, quote, If someone for a reasonable motive holds the person of the Pope in suspicion and refuses his presence and even his jurisdiction, he does not commit the delict of schism, nor any other whatsoever, provided that he be ready to accept the Pope were he not held in suspicion. It goes without saying that one has the right to avoid what is harmful and to ward off dangers. In fact, it may happen that the Pope could govern tyrannically And that is all the easier as he is the more powerful and does not fear any punishment from anyone on earth. Okay, so that was the theological contribution of Cardinal Thomas Cajetan in the 16th century. It's not terribly specific, of course, to say that one has the right to avoid what is harmful and resist dangers. Does that mean that the Pope can teach heresy or some other pernicious error? Does it mean that the Pope can impose invalid sacraments, for example? And so on. Now, I don't know if Cardinal Cajetan spoke about that elsewhere, but at least in that quote, none of these things are spelled out. It's way too vague, too ambiguous to come to any certain conclusion. And the same uh, with the comment on holding the Pope in suspicion. What does that mean? Now, personally, I think it means there's a suspicion that he's not actually the Pope that he wasn't validly elected. But that's not how Morrison understands it. In any case, we have to remember that even though Cardinal Cajetan certainly was a theologian of note, and his opinion on a controverted point comes with some authority, nevertheless, Cajetan is neither a doctor of the church nor even a saint. Yes, there is a saint Cajetan, but that's a different person. That's not this Cardinal Cajetan we're talking about. So, is that the best Morrison can come up with? An SSPX priest using a Cajetan quote from the 16th century? You know, there's been a lot of magisterial teaching on the papacy since then, especially in the latter half of the 19th century. Vatican I was held in 1870, and it was the council on the papacy. 
So Morrison could have quoted Pope Leo XIII in his official magisterium, or the council itself. Instead, he quotes from Cardinal Cajetan. Now, I don't mean to detract from Cardinal Cajetan, but his commentary on St. Thomas's Summa is not magisterial. So, please allow me to express the suspicion that Morrison probably chose this particular quote because he agrees with what it says. Look, in church history, you're going to find a lot of people expressing a lot of opinions that were later either abandoned, condemned, or even declared heretical. So the fact that you can find a theologian saying something hundreds of years ago, that doesn't mean much. Now here's a question I'd like to address to both Father Godron and Robert Morrison. If the teaching of the Roman pontiff past or present, can be rejected, resisted, or simply be dismissed as not binding. Why not also the 500-year-old opinion of Cardinal Cajetan? Why should I care about what one theologian thought hundreds of years ago when, according to them, what the Pope teaches or legislates today can and ought to be resisted under pain of endangering one's soul. Does this make any sense? Next, Morrison considers how Catholics can shield themselves from their, you know, destroyer pope. Morrison says, quote, Once we understand that Bergoglio is attempting to destroy the church, all of his words and deeds make much more sense. Unquote. And no doubt that is true, but you know how everything makes much more sense still? Once we understand that Bergoglio isn't the Pope. But then that was the conclusion that Morrison didn't want to arrive at. Next, he quotes St. Robert Bellarmine, you know, about how it is licit to resist a Pope who destroys the Church. That's from his work, on the Roman Pontiff, Book 2, Chapter 29. That argument has long been shot down by the late Father Anthony Cicada, God rest his soul, who pointed out that, in context, Bellarmine was justifying resistance by kings and prelates, not by individual Catholics, and in any case, he wasn't talking about a pope teaching heresy or imposing evil laws on the church, he was talking about a morally wicked pope who gives evil commands to his subjects. As for a heretical pope, well, Bellarmine talks about that in the next chapter of the same book, where he says that, quote, it would be the most miserable condition of the church if she should be compelled to recognize a wolf manifestly prowling for a shepherd, unquote. Notice that he doesn't say it would be miserable if the church should be compelled to submit to and obey a shepherd who is a wolf. He says that it would be miserable if the church should be required to recognize the wolf as a shepherd. Maybe that's why Morrison chose to provide the other Bellarmine quote, and not this one. Oh, and then there's yet another Bellarmine passage that you didn't get from the remnant. Quote, the Pope is the teacher and shepherd of the whole church. Thus, 
the whole church is so bound to hear and follow him that if he would err, the whole church would err, unquote. That's from On the Roman Pontiff, Book 4, Chapter 3. Next, Morrison quotes Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre, the founder of the SSPX. So that's a recognize and resist source and therefore not usable without begging the question. So we'll just skip over that. Then Morrison tells us that he believes that outside of the strict conditions for papal infallibility given at Vatican I, a pope can teach anything whatsoever. And Bergoglio, he believes, is taking advantage of that. Morrison says, quote, As many of us go about insisting that he might actually be the Pope because he has not tried to invoke infallibility, he congratulates himself on being able to destroy the Church because he is clever enough to avoid invoking papal infallibility. Unquote. Now, this is just so much nonsense. Morrison is basically saying that Bergoglio outclevered God, right? That he outsmarted God. Apparently, the people at the remnant seriously believe that God establishes a church, which is his mystical body, as the Ark of Salvation, that he endows this church with an office of supreme shepherd who acts in his very stead, the Vicar of Christ, teaching, legislating, and sanctifying in his name, and possessing even the power of the keys, so that what he binds and looses on earth will also be bound and loosed in heaven. And then, according to the remnant, God abandons all that to the vicissitudes of human life and to the whims and caprices of fallen human nature, allowing the perversions of evil men to thwart it all except under the very narrow and rarely exercised circumstances of infallible ex-cathedra statements, which a pope can simply choose to avoid altogether. That is how the remnant thinks God protects his church and keeps the gates of hell from prevailing. You really wonder whether these people ever actually think about what they're saying before they hit the publish button. You know, that actually, that would effectively make Vatican I into a blueprint for how to wreck the church and send souls to hell. Get an apostate elected pope and have him teach the craziest heresies and blasphemies, have him impose invalid sacraments, and so on. Just make sure he's smart enough not to try to use an ex-cathedra statement, because that God wouldn't permit. Because a church that teaches trash all day and sends souls to hell with interreligious dialogue, religious liberty, invalid sacraments, bogus saints, fake marriage annulments, because such a church the people would accept as infallible when it issues an ex-cathedra statement, right? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, with that kind of a theology, the ex-cathedra statements might as well not be infallible either. Right? What difference would that make? If that's all that protects the papacy, of what use is it? Do we need it? This kind of infallibility? Or is it not rather an instruction manual for apostate popes as to 
what conditions to avoid when making a papal pronouncement to ensure it goes through, so to speak. But hey, that is recognize and resist theology for you. The Pope can teach any kind of heresy, he just cannot do it ex cathedra, which he never has to do anyway. Well, that would basically make him like the Anglican Archbishop of Canterbury. Right? He also can teach anything he wants to, and never does it ex cathedra. Plus, his underlings can reject and resist his teachings too, when they think he's wrong. Perfect. So for the recognized and resistors, I guess the Pope is basically the Archbishop of Canterbury plus ex cathedra pronouncements. That is remnant theology marketed as traditional Catholicism. It is utterly disgraceful. Now, at the end of his article, Morrison says this, quote, We may learn at some point that Jorge Bergoglio was never the Pope, but even if we knew now that he is not the Pope, there would be little change to how we must act, unquote. Now, that may be so, but only if he is not the Pope can you actually uphold the Catholic teaching on the papacy. You know, the very teachings that Morrison neglected to cite, such as the following. In his apostolic letter in Terra Pax, Pope St. Leo IX speaks of, quote, "...the faith of Peter, which so far neither has failed nor up to the end will fail, unquote. You can find that in Denzinger, number 351. In his encyclical Ubi Primum, paragraph 22, Pope Leo XII teaches that, quote, Peter still maintains the concern of all pastors in guarding their flocks, and his high rank does not fail even in an unworthy heir, unquote. The First Vatican Council under Pope Pius IX teaches dogmatically that, quote, this see of St. Peter always remains unblemished by any error in accordance with the divine promise of our Lord and Savior to the prince of his disciples. I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthen, strengthen your brethren." That's Luke twenty two thirty two, And the council continues, This gift of truth and never-failing faith was therefore divinely conferred on Peter and his successors in this sea, so that they might discharge their exalted office for the salvation of all, and so that the whole flock of Christ might be kept away by them, from the poisonous food of error and be nourished with the sustenance of heavenly doctrine. Thus, the tendency to schism is removed and the whole church is preserved in unity and, resting on its foundation, can stand firm against the gates of hell. Unquote. That's Vatican I's Dogmatic Constitution, Pastor Eternus, Chapter 4, which is also found in Denzinger. And finally... There's actually lots more, but I'm giving you just a few examples here. Finally, the teaching of Pope Leo XIII in his magnificent encyclical Satis Conitum, paragraph 12. Quote, it can never be 
that the church committed to the care of Peter shall succumb or in any wise fail. Unquote. Notice, he says the church committed to the care of Peter cannot fail in any way. The reason why the church is in such shambles today is because there has been no pope. That is the only possible explanation. I understand that that brings with it a lot of other questions and difficulties, but until we accept that fundamental reality, we will just be spinning our wheels. Now, there's one more quote from Morrison's article on Francis the Destroyer that I wanted to keep for last, because it's kind of the icing on the cake. Having bent over backwards not to present any pre-Vatican II magisterial teaching on the papacy that could answer his questions, Morrison counsels his readers as follows, quote, Many conservative Catholics complain of the abuses of the spirit of Vatican II, but reject the best antidotes available. The teachings of the pre-Vatican II popes, especially St. Pius X, why would we expect God to send us a truly Catholic Pope if we fail to have recourse to the teachings of the good popes he gave us to warn against the current evils? Unquote. Yes, Mr. Morrison, why indeed? Tratcast Express is a production of Novos Ordo Watch. Check us out at tratcast.org. And if you like what we're doing, please consider making a tax-deductible contribution at novosordowatch.org slash donate.